Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Whenever you hear the word impeachment, I want you to substitute another word, coup. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us as always. A lot to talk about. A major development in the Clinton email case. Hillary Clinton has appealed the court ruling that she be uh, that she must testify to Judicial Watch attorneys. I'll talk about that. Of course, I'll talk about the coronavirus issue. I'll give you our take on that. Um, Plus, Joe Biden looks to be the nominee of the day, at least, uh, for uh, the Democrats in terms of their uh, presidential contest. But Judicial Watch hasn't forgotten about all the scandals. We never stopped investigating. Our lawsuits are ongoing. I'll give you an update on that. Plus, disappearing Clinton text messages. You're not going to believe the lawsuits we had to file to get basic information on yet more. Clinton records that are being hidden from us and you, the American people. So a lot to talk about. I'm moving the lights around here. The, um, excuse me, let me move this down here. There we are. So, uh, Judicial Watch, as I know, told, uh, was a receipt, let me start over. Judicial Watch was, uh, had a tremendous victory last week. A federal court ruled that Hillary Clinton has to testify uh, to Judicial Watch attorneys about her emails, uh, what she was told about it, how she was managing her records and things like that, the Benghazi attack records. Uh, she also, uh, uh, of course, opposed this, but the court overruled her. Cheryl Mills, her top aide at the time, and then the lawyer involved in destroying the emails, also has to come in and testify to Judicial Watch as well. There are two other witnesses that we see are seeking to testify uh, that uh, the court ordered testify. And on top of that, we were authorized to issue a subpoena to Google to try to get uh, uh, the email records that uh, one of Clinton's uh, email vendors may have sent to Google. So uh, a big victory on behalf of the rule of law, accountability. We had to overcome objections from the State Department, the Justice Department, Hillary Clinton, her uh, colleague Cheryl Mills, and, uh, but we got the victory. It was many years in the making in some ways. So, uh, so the judge ruled that we had to depose her within 75 days. He set the discovery period within 75 days. So our lawyers immediately reached out uh, to Mrs. Clinton's lawyers. Uh, to get a time, and we weren't getting any response, but we did get the response today. It was a, uh, a petition for writ of mandamus filed by Hillary Clinton and Cheryl Mills, or lawyers for each of the witnesses, uh, with the U.S. Um, uh, United States Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit. So uh, a mandamus action uh, is, I guess, not technically an appeal, but practically speaking, you can think of it as an appeal. They're trying to get the court to step in in a dramatic fashion to overturn a lower court ruling that Mrs. Clinton and Cheryl Mills have to testify. And uh, literally, it just came in um, a few minutes ago, I think less than an hour ago or so. So I haven't been able to review it completely. But generally speaking, it looks weak. 
It looks weak. It looks like a desperate effort by Mrs. Clinton to avoid answering any questions, any tough questions, about the Clinton email scandal. Now, of course, she was questioned by the FBI, not under oath, to be clear. And uh, she was questioned by Congress. But no one questioned her in any significant way on the FOIA, how she understood her email system to be run, who was advising her as to what to do. What, what did she think was happening to all of her emails? What was the basis for that? The court wants a serious, a serious set of questions asked directly of Mrs. Clinton. And of course, uh, rather than just uh, submit to the questioning as uh, directed by the court, uh, they're uh, appealing it through this writ of mandamus to the upper court, the appeals court. So this is what happens in uh, federal court. You've got your lower court judges, like Judge Royce Lamberth, who ordered the ruling. And, or, or issued the ruling, and then above that you have your district, um, you have your appellate court, your appeals court judges, um, typically known as circuit courts, and so they've moved it upstairs to appeal, and I don't think there's much chance it will succeed. What's interesting about the case is that Mrs. Clinton seems to suggest that the records she had were not subject to FOIA. She took them all, and so when we asked for them, they weren't at the State Department, so too bad, Judicial Watch. No FOIA applies here. And she's also pointing to a case that, the, believe it or not, the Trump administration brought to protect Hillary Clinton. We actually defend, we, had the, we brought the case, but the Trump administration uh, took the position, the Sessions Justice Department and uh, the Pompeo and uh, State Department uh, took the position that uh, they shouldn't have to do anything to get any more records for Hillary Clinton not even send a letter from the State Department to the Justice Department alerting the Justice Department to the records issues. So the court saw all of this noise, at least the lower court saw, uh, that Judicial Watch had obtained all sorts of information and new information about Hillary Clinton's email system, that she was warned repeatedly, that uh, in fact now we're getting uh, that the Justice Department, excuse me, uh, the Justice Department and FBI were finding new Clinton emails as soon as, uh, as recently as a few months ago. And instead, that Mrs. Clinton is going to the appellate court and saying, this case is moot, 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 meaning no controversy, no case, it's all over. And Ms. Uh, Judge Lamberth, looking at the record, had called that position preposterous. And you know who else held that position? The Justice Department and the State Department. So I, I, I have to say I was surprised that Mrs. Clinton sought this uh, uh, desperate review of the upper court. And, you know, I say it's desperate. I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but who knows how the courts are going to rule. But it just shows you that Judicial Watch has to fight tooth and nail for every piece of information on the Clinton email scandal. We get a dramatic historic ruling that Hillary Clinton has to be questioned under oath. It's pretty clear cut. The evidence is overwhelming that she should be questioned directly by Judicial Watch. And, but still, the process allows her to appeal it in this fashion, and which is what she did. The question is, is there, any, um, is there any merit to the appeal? Is there any merit to this writ of mandamus petition that she's filed? Uh, we don't think there is. And who also filed it was Cheryl Mills, who was um, her enabler, not only at the State Department, but helped her destroy the emails when she was her lawyer after the fact, which is just rich. I mean, she knew, <laughs> Mrs. Mills knew about the FOIA knew about her email system while she was at the State Department and then became the manager for Mrs. Clinton in terms of turning those records over and then destroying some of them uh, once she became her lawyer in the private sector. Unbelievable. And of course, Mills received 
a uh, uh, immunity grant from the Justice Department during the email mess. So uh, the judge in response to that was furious. He said, I don't understand. I was surprised that they did that because he had found in a prior case Judicial Watch had with the Clinton White House, this goes back years, where emails went missing that Hillary Clinton was directly involved in. She was a defendant in that case, it was the FBI files case, that Mills, Mills had committed perjury. That was his finding. And he says, I don't understand why Justice Department would then go ahead and give her immunity. So these are the folks that were battling in court. And um, remember, going back, what the judge wants. He wants to know that Hillary Clinton used the system to evade FOIA. Was the court being gamed in the, uh, uh, by the Justice Department and State Department, or hoodwinked, into trying to shut this case down before they told us about the emails? And uh, uh, thirdly, where are all the other emails? Where are the other emails? And he rightly says Hillary Clinton may have answers to some of these questions and should be asked questions directly on it. You know, we've asked questions of other witnesses. Yuma Abedin, remember Yuma Abedin? She also had an email account on Hillary Clinton's secret email system. And we're asking Abedin questions like this, and Abedin says, I don't know, you've got to ask Mrs. Clinton. So that's what we want to do here. And so uh, you've got this extraordinary development of Mrs. Clinton being... Um, having to be deposed, and now uh, this desperate ploy by her lawyers to stop that from happening. So I don't know how this is going to work out in terms of timing. Under the court's original, under the court's original ruling, we were supposed to question her by May 16th. So uh, the appeal may put that push push us past that date, depending how quickly. Uh, the appellate court acts here. And it's hard to tell. They could, in theory, just dismiss this out of hand, or they could set a briefing schedule, and we don't know how quick that briefing schedule will be. So I'll keep you updated. I mean, it's a big victory. Uh, if Mrs. Clinton thought it was a win for her and she wasn't nervous about the testimony, I don't think she'd be doing this gambit before the appellate court. So if you're... Uh, Look, the fact that we're here is tremendous, and I thank you for your support that gets us here, but it shows you that you can never stop supporting Judicial Watch, frankly, because the battles are always happening. If it's not one thing, it's another. And uh, so uh, Hillary Clinton is a, uh, uh, a major figure in our American public life, uh, but it looked like she abused her position at the State Department. Uh, and. Um, uh, in terms of upending the Freedom of Information Act, and that's just the most mild interpretation of her actions there. So uh, Judicial Watch has uh, been in the forefront of uncovering, not only uncovering the email scandal, but actually questioning witnesses in a way that the FBI actually had to follow our lead on. Did you know during the FBI investigation of the Clinton email case, they were using Judicial Watch FOIA documents to question witnesses? Did you know that? So the big question is what the State Department's view is going to be on this now. Are they going to take no position or are they going to come again in on the side of Hillary Clinton? What's ironic about this, as I said, they're, they're highlighting previous uh, Justice Department efforts to defend her as reason that we shouldn't question her. So this is what's uh, frustrating at times about this situation is that 
uh, the Justice Department under this administration and the State Department under this administration has opposed us at every corner, at every pass in terms of protecting Hillary Clinton. Every, everything we've done, they've opposed. Every step we've taken, they've opposed. To try to get more answers through discovery, they've opposed. To try to get the State Department to send a letter to the Justice Department saying, what about all these records? They opposed. Asking them to do their job to uh, con conduct a damage assessment of the potential leakage of classified information, some of which was the most sensitive in nature on her system, they opposed that. This was not the Obama Justice Department, and this is one of the reasons President Trump gets upset about the way the Justice Department is being run, because he sees this is going on. And if I were him, I would direct them directly to stop defending Hillary Clinton and start working with the courts and Judicial Watch as appropriate to get to the bottom of this scandal. So we'll see how the appellate court rules. I don't have any time. I mean, we just got the... the, the uh, we just got the, uh, the filing a, few, uh, a little bit ago, uh, but we'll keep on fighting. And in the meantime, our other discovery will proceed. We'll get the subpoena out to Google. We'll depose these other witnesses from the State Department who were tech people, who uh, were uh, either were in a position to know about what the State Department and the Secretary of State's office knew about Clinton's email system and things like that. And uh, secondly, their response to Judicial Watch's Freedom of Information Act requests, which, by the way, was about Benghazi. And I know this sometimes gets lost because you hear emails, emails, emails. The reason we uncovered the emails is because we were investigating Benghazi. And as a result of our investigation, there was the appointment of a select committee by the House of Representatives. That was Trey Gowdy's committee. And we uncovered the Clinton emails. Our investigation into Benghazi was the most historically significant non-governmental investigation in American history. No doubt about it. And it's so significant that it continues to uncover scandals and crime and corruption to this day. And this is, in my view, why Hillary Clinton doesn't want to be deposed by Judicial Watch, because she knows we're competent. She knows our lawyers are top-notch. If you haven't watched my interview with Ramona Kotka, who's our lead lawyer on the case, I want you to please watch it. It's over on YouTube, our YouTube channel, on Facebook and elsewhere as well. You can see they don't want us questioning Mrs. Clinton. We're not Peter Strzok and the FBI. We're not members of Congress who are limited to five-minute rounds of questions that can be sloughed off by Hillary Clinton quite easily or, frankly, any any competent witness. Sustained questioning over the course of a day or so is something that Mrs. Clinton doesn't want to be involved with, uh, and uh, hence this dramatic court filing by Hillary Clinton today. We are in court against Hillary Clinton. Uh, so uh, to the degree you're able to support our work, I encourage you to do so. So, what else is going on? Oh, the coronavirus, huh? Well, you know, this is a pretty serious um, situation. The president just uh, a little bit ago declared a national emergency as the virus uh, spreads and the number of deaths increase. And uh, Judicial Watch, you know, we don't, you know, I don't pretend to be an expert. I'm not, a, you know, unlike 
the expert critics of, um, uh, you know, the uh, I shouldn't say expert clinics, critics, the lunatic left critics of President Trump, I don't pretend to be an expert on infectious diseases. I don't pretend to be an expert on public health. I don't, be, I don't pretend to be an expert on uh, the other technical aspects of the coronavirus. But you know what? We do have experience in working with the government. And our advice to President Trump from the beginning was to presume that the various government agencies were incompetent or worse. Now, does it mean you fire everyone who runs the CDC? Does it mean you don't do anything the HHS people tell you to do? Or the State Department or DHS or the other agencies you're relying on? No, it means that you question everything they're doing and you always demand more and better from them. Because if left to their own devices, they won't do and won't, won't do the right thing unless pressured. And uh, so that's been my point of view here is that the president's got to always be uh, demanding answers and pushing and, and, and prodding the agencies. And uh, to his credit, he took these extraordinary steps of, uh, first of all, uh, restricting travel from China once the scope of that epidemic became clear. And just earlier this week, he uh, restricted travel from Europe because now, uh, according to medical experts, uh, that is the epicenter for the coronavirus. So he's trying to prevent, and our public health officials are trying to prevent, more people likely to have the virus from entering our country. And I think it's very interesting because this is a little background on the law there. The law he was invoking is a law that he used. It's called uh, Section, Section 212F. I forget the title, the Immigration Naturalization Act or uh, Law Related to Immigration. So you can Google it, Section 212F, and you'll see it. It was the law that they used to uh, implement the, the travel ban. It's the law that they used to try to control uh, the caravan crisis at the borders that the, the threatened to collapse completely our southern border. And it's the law that is being used now to protect the United States from, and, and our nation's public health from the contagion of the coronavirus. Now, I recognize the virus is already here, but obviously keeping places, uh, uh, people from places where it's rampaging out of the country is a necessary act. Now, of course, the left really is of two minds on this. They hate President Trump. Uh, they demand that he do more. But, of course, when he does more, they don't like it. And so now you're hearing terms of xenophobia. And, in fact, the, the leftists in Congress are actually trying to undermine the very law the president invoked to try to protect the country from coronavirus. So that shows you how crazed they are. They will put their, the politics of open borders above the public health and the public safety. And another discomforting thing for the left, and something that I pointed out at CPAC, is that uh, the coronavirus, and I think I've said it here too, that the coronavirus shows that uh, the necessity of having secure borders. You know, Judicial Watch has always been, it gets criticized every time we mention this, but we have uh, uh, health issues because of the uncontrolled border on the south. People come across the border uh, with uh, diseases and health issues that are not typical to the United States. 
can be infectious in nature. And it's, you know, it's, it's no criticism of the people carrying the disease to say, we don't want you crossing the border. If you want a, if you want a public, you want the public health to be protected, you need secure borders. The coronavirus shows you that. And I hope that reminds us all the need for secure borders. We need it for national security. Uh, we need it to preserve our way of life. Certainly economically. And borders are there to protect the public safety. And if we have no effective way of controlling the borders, all bets are off. I don't know what's going to happen this coronavirus. I hope it, it gets controlled quickly or, or uh, you know, to the degree it peaks, it doesn't peak as high as it could so that we can handle and treat as many people as we're, we can without the system, the healthcare system having to do triage. But I tell you what's disturbing is to see the left kind of rooting for the coronavirus. That's what's disturbing to me. I know, yeah, they're going to say that. That's outrageous comment. You know, but I was at CPAC. Many of my colleagues here were at CPAC this a few weeks ago. CPAC is the Conservative Political Action Conference. I made a big speech there. I hope you saw the speech. It's a great speech. Uh, one of the attendees at CPAC came down with the coronavirus. And so there were literally thousands of stories about that. And the gleeful nature of the stories about how conservatives could get sick and die from the coronavirus and how isn't that ironic and isn't that karma and all that crap, you wouldn't believe it. I want you to imagine being in a location where you're potentially infected or subject to being infected by the coronavirus. And when that becomes public, everyone rooting for the spread of the coronavirus. I mean, I want you to go on Twitter, I want you to go and look in the media and see the cackling going on among the left when the coronavirus is uh, discovered at CPAC. So my colleagues and I, we weren't going crazy, we weren't panicking, but you get a little nervous. You know, you're at a place where there was the coronavirus, uh, at least one patient who evidently is recovering. You don't know, we don't, you didn't know the details. And to the degree we're seeing anything in the news about it, it's glee and, as I say, cackling about it happening. And I'm tired of that in our coverage. It shows you that this anti-Trump fever, this anti-conservative anti craziness knows no bounds. It really knows no bounds. Now, the president is, I think, uh, getting a better handle on the uh, situation with the coronavirus. Uh, the big gap, as I said, you know, you can't trust the government, is that the CDC dropped the ball and the FDA dropped the ball on testing availability. They dropped the ball. They had these Obama-era rules that were being implemented and making it difficult to get tests up and running. They had plenty of forewarning that we were going to need massive testing, and it wasn't made available in a, in a way that reassured the American people. So the president today and the administration is uh, seemingly getting their act together and making testing more widely available by partnering with the public sector. So there are a few issues, you know, I don't know how, the, you know, we'll see how the coronavirus uh, 
plays out, you know, economically and all of that. But the bureaucracy uh, always needs a strong hand because, as we see with the deep state attacks in the intelligence community, you know, they just, you just always need it. You need to be policing and second-guessing them all the time. Secondly, um, the leftist media and leftist establishment and left-wing activists are uh, rooting for uh, the worst to happen to America. I mean, that's, I, I, it's, it's terrible to see, but that's the truth. That's the truth. And uh, so Judicial Watch, will, we'll do our foyers on the coronavirus. We'll figure out what went wrong. We'll figure out about if China was improperly protected by any deep staters as this was emerging. So in the meantime, wash your hands. If you're of a certain age, avoid the places professionals are telling you to avoid. And I wish you the best in terms of your health, safety, and welfare here. Uh, so the other big news this week, there's so much going on. Joe Biden looks like is going to be the nominee for the Democrats for president. And uh, it's a remarkable comeback. And Bernie Sanders and his supporters are probably very angry about how the Democratic establishment quickly rallied around Joe Biden to deny Sanders the nomination. Now, do I know Sanders isn't going to be the nominee? I don't know for sure, but it sure looks that way. So uh, the question is about Joe Biden is that we're supposed to forget all the corruption he was involved in. Remember there was an impeachment? Do you remember that? just a few weeks ago. Do you remember that? Why the coronavirus is raging in China, Congress is hijacked by the Kukabal and frozen in an illicit effort to overthrow the President of the United States. So rather than doing their job, they're abusing the Constitution. And they were doing so in large measure to protect the Vice President, the former Vice President of the United States, Joe Biden. Remember, the impeachment was that President over was the theory that President Trump had demanded accountability for corruption related to Joe Biden. And they were so, so desperate to distract from that underlying corruption that they tried to remove the president from asking it, asking questions, for asking questions about it. I mean, that's why I call it an obstruction of justice. The coup impeachment attack on President Trump was an obstruction of justice to protect Joe Biden from the consequences of his uh, uh, evident corruption, as certainly as it relates to Ukraine. And when I say evident, I mean, look at the video where he boasts of using, threatening the removal of a billion dollars in aid to get rid of a prosecutor who coincidentally happened to be investigating his son's company, Burisma. Burisma put him on the board, Hunter Biden, because his name is Biden, and they gave him money that was not commensurate with his experience. You know what you call that? Bribery. Money laundering. Conspiracy. All sorts of things. And there's plenty of evidence that the Obama administration was protecting Burisma up until the moment the president, and, and the deep state was protecting Burisma up until the moment the president was acquitted. As far as I know, they still could be. Because you know what? Are you aware of any investigation into the Biden scandals? Are you? 
What's the Justice Department doing? I don't know. Schumer just threatened two Supreme Court justices. Nothing happened. Hillary Clinton, more and more evidence of criminal conduct tied to her email server. Nothing happening. They're defending her. Pfizer reform. We're going to have Pfizer reform, everyone. We don't even know what happened. With the last round of Pfizer abuses, no one's in jail. No one's being prosecuted. I don't even think anyone's being seriously investigated at senior levels. But we're going to reform Pfizer. We should just ignore that. Oh, no, don't, there are an increased criminal penalties for breaking the rules related to Pfizer. Huh. Well, who cares? Because no one goes to jail for breaking the previous rules. So I get distracted. Because I want to tell you that we're on top of the Joe Biden scandals in a way that few others are. Judicial Watch files two new lawsuits against State Department on Biden-Burisma scandal and the alleged whistleblower contacts on Ukraine. There you go. Joe Biden and Burisma. All cables and emails from the Ukraine embassy about Burisma. Obama White House meeting involving an effort to squelch the Burisma investigations and protect the Biden gang. Documents like that. Two lawsuits. Two more lawsuits. Judicial Watch files two new lawsuits seeking records of how a government committee responsible for making sure foreign governments aren't messing with our sensitive investments or sensitive um, uh, uh, infrastructure issues. Uh, it's the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. Ukraine and China firms tied to Biden. We want to know what was going on there. Because remember, this, this China firm uh, gave uh, Hunter Biden's company a big in worth, you know, everyone disputes the number, so I won't throw a number out. But uh, let's put it this way. As best I can tell, it was an historic benefit to Hunter Biden's firm by the Chinese communists. We're asking about that. The Committee on Foreign Investments in the United States. Two investments uh, by two companies tied to Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, Ukraine's Burisma Holdings, and China's Bohai Harvest, P-R-S-T, B-H-R. In 2015, excuse me, 2013, the Bank of China set up BHR with a billion-dollar joint venture fund. Billion dollars. And then they go out and they buy, in 2015, a Michigan car park company called Hennages Over Automotive. They produce anti-vibration technologies, which, of course, also have important military uses. So you got this China-connected firm getting it in in a sensitive U.S. industry. So that's why we're suing for that. We sued for documents on the firing of the Ukraine prosecutor that was investigating Burisma. The former Ukraine ambassador, Ambassador Yuanovich, we had information directly that she was uh, 
illicitly ordering the monitoring of the social media accounts of people like Rudy Giuliani, the president's son, Sean Hannity, other people who were um, taking an interest in Ukraine, reporters like John Solomon. And what information did they want to track? Uh, you know, what were the keywords they were searching in terms of creating these illicit files? Biden. Soros. Because the Soros-connected group in, in Ukraine was anti-Trump and, and, and pro um, and trying to protect Burisma, it looks like, as well. So let's see. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven lawsuits on Ukraine, Biden, China. And I don't think I have them all here. I think there's probably more. And I know we have dozens of Freedom of Information Act requests. So this is the democratic way, this is the establishment way, this is the big government way, this is the swamp way, that if you are a powerful politician, you're seeking high office, you're immune from criminal investigation or any investigation. And if there is an investigation, it's going to be a pretend investigation, a la Hillary Clinton. So the question is, is the Justice Department going to continue to protect Joe Biden or are they going to do a real investigation? And the question is, is the State Department and the various agencies we're suing going to protect Joe Biden by slow rolling the documents? I'm not aware that we've received any substantive responses to any of the document requests and lawsuits we filed here. They're covering up. They're covering up. So the media wants you to forget about the Biden scandals. Congress is not doing anything on the Biden scandals. Nothing. And once again, it's up to Judicial Watch. Step in, do the heavy lifting, actually go to federal court to try to get answers. You know, your running for office does not make you immune from scrutiny under the rule of law. We've got to get away from that. And in the case of Hillary Clinton, the rule is if you lose when you run for president, you're also immune because, oh, well, she's old news and we can't investigate her anymore. Who cares about that? You do, I know you do, because you support Judicial Watch. And we're not doing this because Biden's running. These lawsuits weren't dismissed when we thought Biden was going to be the loser. As of two weeks ago, Sanders is going to be the nominee. We didn't go to court and say, oh, forget about it, we're not interested anymore. These lawsuits are mostly about accountability over the deep state coup against the president and what they were trying to cover up and expose that, in addition to holding a powerful politician like Joe Biden accountable to the rule of law. So as information comes in that's worth sharing, I will share it with you. The media won't share it with you, but you can trust Judicial Watch to do, again, the, educa the education about what your government's up to and what corrupt government officials, seemingly corrupt government officials like Joe Biden are up to. So before I go, I got another Hillary Clinton story. And the judge, one of the reasons the judge gave us this, well, at least he noted it in the ruling. Uh, I don't know if he used it as a reason per se, but he certainly mentioned it. We had to sue the State Department for text messages of Hillary Clinton. So we had gotten documents in another case um, that included an August 2011 email from Aberdeen to Clinton stating, sent you a couple of text messages.
And these emails, and we got that email because, as I said before, the Justice Department and the FBI supposedly are finding new Clinton emails even as we speak, more or less. So this is material that should have been turned over to us in 2014, 15, whatever the date is, and, we're, and, they, and then they tell us they gave us all the Clinton emails they have, and then they just gave us this material in October of last year. And in it is indication that Hillary Clinton's using text messages to conduct government business. Now, do you, did you see any text messages by Hillary Clinton being released by the State Department? If you did, let me know. But we haven't. So following up on this work, we filed a Freedom of Information Act request for all Hillary Clinton's text messages and Huma Abedin, who sent her the text messages. And, then, and we got back a no-document response. They didn't find any records. So assuming that's a truthful response, or they look where they were supposed to look, where are the records? They have an obligation to track government records like this and produce them under FOIA, so we sued. Where are Hillary Clinton's text messages? Are these more disappearing documents? And as you know, it's unlikely these documents ever really truly disappear. But it's Judicial Watch is filing lawsuits in court to get answers on this. I don't know about you, but if I were the State Department and I found out that Hillary Clinton had text messages, I would be proactively trying to find them and working with Judicial Watch to figure out what went on. Instead, they tell us, oh, we looked, there's nothing there, go away. Well, we're not going away, we're back in federal court. So, Everyone wants you to move on, right? They want you to move on from Hillary Clinton. They want you to move on from Joe Biden. They want you to move on from Spygate. They want you to move on from crime you witnessed uh, two weeks ago with Chuck Schumer threatening Supreme Court justices. They want you to move on from Adam Schiff's abuse of powers. They just want you to move on because it just, they just want to keep on conducting themselves contrary to law, oftentimes in a criminal way, in a way that undermines our constitutional system that seeks to overthrow it, and every time they get called out on it, they, weather, they, they say, well, we're just going to move on. And we don't believe in doing that. And so that's why we're in, in court, in court, federal court, holding them accountable. I'm not just going on TV to talk about this stuff as if I just have an opinion like everyone else does. And I'm not diminishing that. People have a right to, to, you know, and I'm glad people talk about these types of issues. But we're actually doing the heavy lifting in court. We're in court. Dozens of lawsuits trying to get justice and accountability on the worst scandal in American history, the spying on President Trump. The, one of the reasons they were doing this a targeting of Trump, this abusive harassment of Trump from the spying, through the Mueller abuse, through the coup, is to protect people like Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, Joe Biden. It's all part of a piece, and we're investigating it on behalf of you, the American people. So with that, I'll be back here next week with a Judicial Watch update. Maybe I'll have some more information on the Clinton email debate and the controversy that we're involved in now with her in court. Uh, in the meantime, have a wonderful week, and I hope you stay healthy. Cheers. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.